0: I can see the questions they're asking. It's a safe space. And so folks are more willing to open up and ask what they might perceive to be the dumb question. And we can all solve it together. And it takes away the scariest thing for me, which is I don't even know the questions I should be asking. But being there, I see the questions everyone else is asking. And I it makes me feel like, okay. I may know what I'm doing. And if I don't know what I'm doing, I have a place where I can learn and get the answers. And that's
1: really, really powerful. Welcome to the Marketing Moguls podcast, where we talk to the big shots, the heavy hitters, the cream of the crop in the world of marketing. This is a show where we sit down with the most brilliant minds in the industry. and We pick their brains to find out what makes them tick, what makes them successful, and sometimes what makes them want to pull their hair out. Each episode, we'll be talking to top executives, entrepreneurs, even influencers who have made their mark in the marketing world. And we'll be asking them tough questions like what's the best way to increase conversions, or how do you come up with a killer ad campaign, or why do marketers always wear black? But let's be real, we're not just here to talk shop, we're also here to have some fun. So we'll be discussing some of the latest trends, we're gonna be sharing some hilarious marketing fails, and maybe even trying to convince our guests to let us in on their secret to creating the perfect meme. So whether you're a marketer, a business owner, or just someone who's fascinated by the world of marketing, this podcast is for you. Sit back, Grab your favorite drink and join us as we dive into the minds of the marketing moguls that are shaping the industry today. Okay, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Moguls Podcast. So today we are joined by Kathleen Booth who is the SVP of Marketing and Member Experience over at Pavilion. And before we get started doing anything else, Kathleen, I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit more about who you are and really how you got into this role that you're in today and maybe where your experience started. I was an
0: international development consultant who specialized in water utility privatization in the developing world. So I traveled to 54 countries all over the world. And how that got me back into marketing is that I was discovering a lot of the projects I was working on were like falling apart because of poor communication and the earlier stages by the project sponsors who were the governments. And so I really started shifting my career back over to look at how do you use marketing and strategic communications to build support for these kinds of projects so that they don't get derailed. Because, like we were talking about delivering clean water. So when you derail a project like that, it really has major effects on people. And then what happened was I decided to get married and having children and traveling all over the world by myself for weeks and sometimes months on end did not lend itself well to being <laughs> a, as part of a family. And so I had to really reinvent my career at that stage of my life. And my husband actually approached me at the time we were just getting married. And he was like, what about starting a marketing agency? Because he came out of a related field. And so we we did that. We started an agency. I was an agency owner for 11 years with my husband, and we are somehow still married. <laughs> <laughs> And we became very early HubSpot partners, which was really transformational for us. So my roots are very much in demand generation, inbound or content marketing and digital marketing in general. And so we helped companies all over the country with their marketing. And in 2017, I decided that I really wanted to sell the business because I was interested in going more deeply into B2B technology. I was involved in the Maryland Tech Council and was working with a lot of tech companies. So I did that. I sold the company. I actually spent two years with the company that acquired us, which was a lot of fun because I had an opportunity to actually build a media business around that company, which was pretty revolutionary at the time, I would say after that, you heard about companies like HubSpot acquiring The Hustle and Stripe acquiring Indie Hackers. We were a little bit before that. And I don't give myself credit for that, by the way, it was not my (laughs) idea. I was just the one who was able to get in and really build that business. And so I learned a lot about community and audience building and what that can mean for generating pipeline for the core business. So in 2019, I left that company. I went finally went and did what I had intended to do all along, which was go in-house into a variety of different B2B tech companies as head of marketing. A lot of early stage companies. I had terrible timing because this was all right when COVID was starting. So it's been an interesting few years, but I've worked in mostly, I would say, series A stage companies until recently. And I've been in cybersecurity, e-commerce, ad tech, and now I'm at Pavilion. And I actually joined Pavilion as a member back in 2019 when I was moving into a new role. And Pavilion has its origins as a community for go-to-market leaders. It still is that today. We have more than 10,000 members around the globe, and we help them achieve and unlock their full professional potential. But the organization's really grown, and it's now community, but it's also Pavilion University, which provides training for leaders and things that you don't learn in school, like how to do your forecast when you're the CRO or how to report to a board when you're the CMO. And it's all taught by people who are in those roles currently. So it's practitioners, teaching practitioners, stuff that you can't learn in school. And then we have events. So we have a big conference called GTM 2023 in Nashville in the fall and other functional summits like in March, we've got our CMO summit coming up in San Francisco. So lots of exciting things going on. I will pause there because I could keep talking forever about it. But that's pretty much Pavilion in a nutshell.
1: No, that's wonderful. Wow. So you have had a really great amount of experience, which is awesome. Literally like the perfect person to talk to about all of these different marketing initiatives that we love to talk about. So... Lots of things there that I'd like to break down. Also, congratulations on doing it creating your own agency, selling that, being a part of that, because that is a hard thing to do. So that is awesome to hear that you went through all of that. It's probably easiest for us to just start with Pavilion and then work our way from there, since that's the most recent thing that you've been working on. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you all are currently doing at Pavilion in terms of the marketing efforts that you have? It's so interesting because Pavilion, I believe if I'm understanding correctly, helps marketers. So it's really interesting to hear about how does Pavilion market to marketers?
0: Yeah, it's very interesting and just context setting for this. So I mentioned earlier that I've worked in a lot of early stage companies and I do love startups. Like I I think because I was once an entrepreneur myself, I'm drawn like a fly to the light when it comes <laughs> to early stage. And so most of the companies I've worked in since I sold my agency have been at the stage where they don't necessarily yet have product market fit. And so a big piece of what I've always done in marketing is a lot of experimentation around trying to figure out what's the right messaging, what are the right channels and that kind of thing. Pavilion is a little different because we have incredibly strong product market fit. In fact, Pavilion has grown through most of its history without a lot of external marketing. We actually have quite a large marketing team, Mm -hmm. almost all internally focused. And the reason is that we have these passionate community members. And what we've learned over time is that happy members beget other happy members. Mm. So the majority of our growth has actually come from word of mouth and referrals. A member saying to a peer, Oh, I'm a part of this amazing organization. You should really join. It would be great to have you in the community. And so where we are with marketing today, it's an interesting moment in time because the community, as I said, grew dramatically, over, especially over COVID through mm. word of mouth. And so Right now, what we're looking at is, and this is partially why I'm SVP of marketing and member experience. I should note, because if you believe that in our case, marketing succeeds when we have happy customers, then making marketing responsible, at least in part for ensuring we have happy customers starts to make a lot more sense. What I look at is the full member journey for that individual member from the very first time they hear about Pavilion, where it is more traditionally the domain of marketing, all the way through their experience as a member. And so the member success team sits under me and we're always looking really closely at what are our members telling us they want and they need to get the most of their pavilion experience so i'm highly focused right now on increasing member nps looking at our programming enabling the folks like we have a lot of what we call ambassadors and envoys within our Mm -hmm. community who are the members that are super users and what we do is we elevate them to positions of responsibility where they run meetings with other members. They are moderators for some of our smaller communities within our community. And so I'm looking very closely at enabling them so that we can deliver a better experience for members under the hypothesis that the start of the flywheel, right? We can make them happy, then there'll be more happy folks that want to join. So that's, one part, And then the other kind of thing that comes in tandem with that is a referral program. And so we have had a referral program for many years. Historically, the member that refers a new member can get a small, let's call it a bounty mm-hmm. for referring that person. But we're looking really seriously at changing that and actually flipping the model so that the member may not get any kind of a payment, they, but it actually might be all about giving the person they refer a discount because we do believe strongly. In fact, one of the big things that's fueled our growth as a community is we're very mission driven. And the mission is all about being helpful and giving and that if you do that, you succeed. And in fact, it's funny, we're not on video, but if we were... Folks would see that behind me is this book, Kind Folks Finish First, which was written by our founder, Sam Jacobs. He mm-hmm. talks about exactly this, that the secret to building a really successful career is to enter your professional life with the belief that it is through giving and being helpful that you will become successful. And we're looking at revamping the referral program to align more closely with that and just to take the friction out of it. And then lastly, I would say partnerships. We believe strongly that we serve go-to-market leaders and there are a lot of other organizations out there that also serve that audience. And so to the degree that we can partner with them to deliver more for our members while also getting us in front of more go-to-market leaders and helping our partners get in front of more of them, that would be a really great win for us. And so it's a somewhat non-traditional mix, right? Like I I come out of a B2B SaaS background. And if you had interviewed me at any of my other jobs, I would have said things like, oh, demand generation and campaigns and we're yeah. looking at paid ads. This is a very different play. But I actually think it's there are a lot of lessons to be learned for traditional technology companies. When you think about the model being you make your customer really happy.
1: And that's really what drives future demand. Absolutely. And it's funny to think that it almost seems so foreign in some regards to focus so much on that customer experience and that customer success when it really shouldn't be. And it's incredibly encouraging to hear that you all have had such great success growing Pavilion while being primarily focused on like referrals. Because if that's working, that means that you have tons of happy people that are willing to not only talk about what Pavilion is doing, but also share it with others and encourage them to become a part of it. So to hear that is incredibly encouraging. Hey there, we wanna take a quick second to thank our sponsors of this episode, Tier 11. Do you ever sit at your computer wondering why you're spending so much money on advertisement for your business that drives little to no revenue? Does the idea of another month with low engagement make you want to pull your hair out? Well, you're in luck, because the team of professionals over at Tier 11 can handle these issues in no time flat and make you forget all about your nightmare ad experience. Tier 11 is an advertising agency that manages over $100 million in annual ad spend and has more than 15 years of advertising experience. So it's pretty safe to say they know their stuff. Stop wasting your time and your budget on advertising that doesn't work and trust the professionals instead. Head over to www.tier11.com today and chat with the team member to learn more about how they can help you get more customers and increase their lifetime value. That's T-I-E-R-E-L-E-V-E-N.com. Now back to the podcast. You did mention slightly at the end there, you know, that it's a little atypical because you're relying so much and doing so much with the whole referral program and working with the partnerships and everything like that. Does Pavilion rely at all on outbound marketing? Do you all do any form of maybe whatever it's email marketing, or if you're doing any sort of like you mentioned advertising or anything, do you all do anything related to that? Or is it almost purely through this like referral type program?
0: We do almost no outbound. And so I'm not going to say we do zero, but we're not really doing any paid ads at all right now. We were, but it's interesting. We stopped doing them in November and we did see a drop-off in the number of new applicants to the community, but we actually saw our conversion rate go up quite dramatically. And so what that tells me is that we might've been getting volume from our ads, but we weren't getting like high intent or high quality applicants. And so I'm really looking closely at what's gonna deliver that high intent, high quality person. And that that's why referrals are so important to us because somebody who comes in through a personal referral, vastly more likely to convert than someone who comes in because they saw an ad on LinkedIn, right. that sort of thing. But the, I think the key to really understand or the way to frame this is like, a lot of companies talk about community today as part of their marketing and including folks that are, sorry, brands that look nothing like us. Traditional, I shouldn't say the word traditional, but B2B SaaS, B2B tech companies, a lot of them are talking about community, whether that's building their own or sponsoring a community or having their teams get very involved in somebody else's community. It seems to be a part of most companies' marketing strategies. What's interesting about Pavilion, and this is something I've studied for a long time, starting back when I was building that media company, because we did build a community back then, is there's this model of you're a, company that is going to that has a product that is now going to employ a community strategy to broaden your your brand awareness and generate more pipeline and then there's the reverse which is we're going to build a community first and that's going to give us a platform into which we can then create and sell products. So it's it, they all meet in the middle, right? Like it's this mix of we're a business that has products, but we also have a community. The difference is, do you start with the products or do you start with the community? Most companies start with the products and that's what traditional marketing is designed to solve for. We have a product, now we need to find product market fit, now we need to figure out the channels and now we need to scale. What Pavilion did and what I think you're gonna start to see a little bit more in other types of businesses is starting with the community. And when you do that, You generally don't need to work as hard to find product market fit because what happens is the community tells you really what products you should be creating, which is really how we created Pavilion University. We heard from our members that they wanted more training. And so we created it for them. And as soon as we had that product, we had a huge built-in audience of customers to sell that product to. And there will be other products. Like now we have these events now that COVID is subsiding and we have a huge built-in audience of customers to purchase our event product. There will be other events or sorry, other products in the future, but it's, that's an interesting, but very important difference because it changes what your marketing challenges are and it changes how you market. If you already have the community or the audience there waiting for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about that too. And in terms of like the audience and the community that you all serve... What would you say one of the biggest topics that if you could help your market understand, like your community and the people that you all serve, would change your business or have the biggest impact for Pavilion? If there was something that you could really help everyone understand about what you all do, what do you think that would be that you think would be most beneficial for them to realize?
0: I think the thing that's interesting for us, and this is a challenge I'm working on right now, is we are doing something that doesn't have an exact equivalent elsewhere, meaning, yeah, and I don't want to call it category creation because I think that's overused, but we're not just a community, right? As I said, we have this whole pavilion university. We have an events business. We have, all, we have a career counseling almost. We have this on the bench community and a legal hotline. It's different. It's really career enablement, but it's powered by community. And so I think most people don't have a frame of reference for what this is and how powerful it can be in terms of helping to advance their career. And so I guess what I would want people to understand is how transformational it can be to become a part of a community of your peers where you truly find a safe space to ask the questions you're afraid to ask elsewhere. And the reason for that is We primarily serve executives, VP level and above. That is a very lonely job. That's the job I have had for many years. Mm -hmm. And if you're the head of marketing or the CRO or the CEO in a company, odds are there's only one of you. There's one person in your job, unless you're at like a Procter & Gamble, in which case there might be several heads of marketing in different business units. But for most small to mid-market, let's call them pre-IPO companies, there's one of you. And so you don't have any other equivalent peers to go to within the organization for advice. And as a result, most executives I know have tremendous imposter syndrome. The thing that scares them the most is that they don't know what they don't know. And the amazing power of a community like Pavilion, is all of a sudden you get into this community and you're surrounded by other people just like you. Like we have a channel that is just for CMOs and heads of marketing. So when I go into that channel, it's all people just like me facing the same challenges I am. And I may not know what I don't know, but if I just lurk long enough. (laughs) I can figure it out because I can listen to the conversations others are having. I can see the questions they're asking. It's a safe space. And so folks are more willing to open up and ask what they might perceive to be the dumb question. And we can all solve it together. And it takes away the scariest thing for me, which is I don't even know the questions I should be asking. But being there, I see the questions everyone else is asking. And it makes me feel like, okay, okay. I may know what I'm doing. And if I don't know what I'm doing, I have a place where I can learn and get the answers.
1: And that's really, really powerful. Yeah, we've heard from people before and myself included that use online resources, things like Reddit, like a marketing subchannel on Reddit or something like that. And those can be helpful to a degree, but I love the fact that Pavilion has been so curated to really speak to exactly what you want to learn and what you wanna be a part of and everything like that. Like you mentioned having it be specifically for CMOs or whatever it is, I think that could be so powerful. So yeah, that's it's very unique to hear that there's a space like that where people can go to gather this information that, like you mentioned, they might not be able to find that, and most likely couldn't find it somewhere else.
0: It's a so. cheat code, right? It's like we can all ask Google these things, right, right? But we don't know the quality of the response. We don't Reddit is the same. We don't know what to trust and. Community is a cheat code. And I always like to say community is the new Google, because I I am so much better off going into my community and saying, hey, what's the best way to handle this situation if I have to report to the board on it? And to go ask Google, because I'm asking people who really understand deeply the challenge that I'm facing and the situation that I'm in. And it's just, it's faster, it's more effective, and the answers are better.
1: Definitely. I wanted to ask you, so we talked a little bit today about some of the things that have worked really well for you and for Pavilion over the years. We talked about the referrals, some we talked about the experiences that you all are doing in the events and everything that you're running. What are some of the things that you can talk about if you're open to it that maybe haven't worked as well? Some of the things that you all have experienced with that you've learned from that you've thought that's something that really didn't work great for us and probably wouldn't do it again in the future or something like that.
0: (laughs) I think paid ads have been a challenge. And I'm not going to say that we'll never do them again. but and I've run into this in other companies too, it's really easy to spend a lot of money on paid ads and we saw results, don't get me wrong. I explained this earlier, like we definitely saw more applicants come in, but the conversion rate was so much lower. And I think at any company, when you are the leader of marketing, you have a limited amount of resources and you have a fiduciary responsibility to use those resources wisely. And if you can look at the mix of channels in front of you and- find the ones that don't perform as well and cut the spend there, it gives you the opportunity to really double down on the ones that are working. And so for us, we stopped doing paid ads in November as an experiment because quite frankly, it can be very hard to really prove one way or the other concretely through attribution data, how they're working. But what we were able to do is from the point in time when we stopped them, again, we looked at what the impact on application rates, so people who apply to join Pavilion. And then we looked at actual application close rates, people who did join and pay. And that was where we started to see this this incredible difference. There were fewer applications, but the percentage of the people who applied who paid was much, much higher. And so that's one where I think if and when we do begin to do paid ads again, we'll approach them much more cautiously and perhaps take a different approach than we have in the past.
1: Yeah. We've heard that many times before here on the show as well, where it depends on what avenue it is, but we've heard multiple people talk about ads exactly like that, where it can be really challenging because that's one of the ones where oftentimes it's a pretty large price tag. And if you're not seeing the type of results that you want to see, it can be really hard to justify continuing moving forward with that. I did want to say that we're running short on time, but I wanted to try to ask you another question before I let you go, which is that we have a lot of people that tune in that like the idea of one day ending up in a place just just like where you are, is there any way that you could take a second to maybe think back for the past 5-10 years and think to yourself, if you could give some sort of advice to yourself from 5 or 10 years ago on how you navigated this path to where you are today, is there anything you could speak about on that in terms of advice to getting to where you've gotten today?
0: Yeah, absolutely. My journey, again, is pretty unique, and especially having gone from owning an agency to going in-house. And so it's not necessarily a journey that a lot of people can replicate, but if I pull out the things that I think had the biggest impact on my career advancement, I, I think really two things come to mind. One is efforts that I have put in over the years to building up, and I hate to use this phrase because it sounds so egotistical, but a personal brand. It was for me, it was two to three years ago. I guess it was three years ago, really starting to post regularly on LinkedIn. And I did it as an experiment. I really didn't have any kind of an outcome in mind, but I was like, I'm just going to post every single day and see Mm -hmm. what happens. And it was transformational what happened. And the result was that shortly after I started doing that, I noticed that whenever I wound up looking for new jobs, I really didn't have to apply any place. All of the opportunities would come through my network. And in many cases, the opportunities would seek me out when I wasn't looking. And it was because I had built this brand and people... There was this feeling that I was becoming a sought after marketing leader. And I just, sometimes I laugh about it because I think <laughs> it's great. It's great. Don't get me wrong, but I'm a very introverted person. And so it's always amazing to me that this even happened or that I did it in the first place. That would, that'd be one. I think it's worth investing in your own brand as a professional. Number two, and this is going to sound a little self-serving, but I truly mean this. Joining Pavilion for me was a big thing. I would say, and I don't want this to be a Pavilion commercial. So I would say <laughs> finding a community is really important. And I was a member of Pavilion for three years before I joined the company. So I truly mean this. I'm not just saying this as a marketer. The reason I came to work here is because I was a happy, happy customer. And it was impactful in a couple ways. Number one, it did help me find jobs. Actually, that's what first led me to Pavilion was that a friend of mine was a member and circulated my resume in there. And I started getting these amazing interviews. And I was like, whatever this is, I need to be a part of it. So it helped me find jobs. The network was incredibly powerful. I joined and all of a sudden I'm in these Slack groups with some of the marketers I have most admired in my career. And they've become people I've gotten to know quite well through the community and I've learned a lot from And then as I progressed, like once it wasn't about finding a job or building the network, it became about learning how to do my job better. And so two years ago, I enrolled in Pavilion's first cohort of what they call CMO school. And it was eye-opening, like going back to that thing of I don't know what I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm taking these classes on forecasting and budgeting. And I was like, oh, my Lord, like this is (laughs) unbelievable what I'm learning. It's like leapfrogging ahead in terms of my level of expertise and experience. And so there that's the great thing is that you can find people who can support you and be there for you when you're stressed and help you get warm introductions for interviews within communities. But you can also find education that you can't get in traditional school. And so it is incredibly powerful, whether it's Pavilion or another community, I
1: just do recommend
0: that people find a community
1: and get that support system. Absolutely. And that's one of the key tenets that we like to talk about here on the podcast is continued education. Making sure that you never stay stagnant, that you can be a part of a community like that, that you're learning, that you're growing, that you're doing new things. And we hope what brings value from this podcast to the audience is that people can hear from other marketers, learn from them, maybe join a community just like Pavilion. I really appreciate the insight that you offered there. Sadly, that's all we have time for today. But I just wanted to take another second to just really thank you for coming on the show and chatting with us today. It's been wonderful to talk to you.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for
1: having me. This is a lot of fun. Of course. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Marketing Moguls Podcast, and we will catch you in the next one.